0: Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 194. Let's define some things.
1: Yes, we're going to DTR. I don't oh. know. Do the kids still say that today? We're going to DTR. I don't think they do say that. Yeah, they do. They do? Yeah. You would well, know because I mean, you have clients who are younger. I wouldn't call them
2: kids, but young 20s still still DTR, or still go through that process.
1: Okay, if you guys could write in and let us know if DTR is still a thing, we're going to talk about that today. We're going to define some things here on the Hole in My Heart podcast. Welcome, everyone, where we talk about not only DTRing (laughs) and try and find out what the kids are doing today, (laughs) but we talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. I am your host, Lori Krieg, and I have alongside me my husband... And my favorite licensed therapist in the world, Matt Krieg.
2: Hello. Hey, Matt. Hi.
1: And I also have with me the ever faithful and most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hi, guys. Is that the professional radio voice? Probably. He was talking earlier about wanting to do different voices. voices.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I probably should have just been like hey guys. or something <laughs> you know like silly.
1: From Lilo You're and Stitch. Right. Oh. Okay, guys, I really truly can't wait for you to hear this episode today where we're gonna define some terms. Now, what I mean by when I say define some terms or DTR, whatever. Um, but we talk about things like LGBT. We talk about God's design for marriage. We talk about core needs. And so whether you're listening sequentially and you're like, you guys have already referenced some things. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? This is the episode to go back to. God willing, hopefully we'll cover a lot of the bases today. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you're wondering our perspective on some of these things, hopefully it's clear just from the context of the episode you listened to before this one. But if not, we want to make sure that you understand. So... Before we dive into defining some of those terms, some of those things that we believe, uh, we, of course, want to hear from you, our audience, and God willing, next time we're actually going to hear your voices, but we're just Mm. snagging (laughs) some uh, answers that you guys wrote, uh, whether you are a part of the Hole in My Heart podcast Facebook page Yes, we're still using Facebook, but you guys, if you search One My Heart podcast, you can ask to join and answer a couple of questions, and then I'll let you in, and you can join the community that is there and answer the question of the week. You can also friend me on the Facebook, too, and that's where I post it. Okay, but in the theme of defining terms, the question is, (laughs) what is your favorite or least favorite word? Matt, we're going to start with you.
2: Yes. Well, I loved what Natalie said speaking of the youths. The youths. <laughs> the youths um Natalie said that her current least favorite word is slay with an e. So s l e y. Oh. Um apparently it's something that her teenagers say. I'm assuming it's just a a term that is showing excitement or how cool something is.
1: I don't know. I think it is more like we're going to slay? Like, what did she oh, use in if, the. What kind of. Oh my goodness. She just sounds so She old. just Keep said going. she's the
2: mom of a teenager. Maybe I'm turning into my own mom. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I'm going to assume it just means like, yeah, they slayed something.
0: It could be one of those carriages that's drawn by horses but goes <laughs> in the snow. I think yeah, that's
2: the an teens E-I-G-H. are talking about that. Yeah, right. No doubt. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> But the reason I actually picked Natalie's was because of her favorite word, which is the combo that only seems to exist in the Bible, loving kindness, Aww. which is that chesed hesed, yeah. um, word that is used for God that is kind of indescribable, um, unexpressible, which is actually the book by Michael Card that talks a lot about that word chesed mm. and loving kindness.
1: Oh, thanks for bringing that up. That's bringing back some good memories. Um, guys, if you're listening and you want to hear more about that, it's spelled, at least in English, H-E-S-E-D. But if you search my name, Lori Krieg, with Michael Card, you'll find the episode that we did with him. And Matt was wrecked. You were super <laughs> wrecked by that book and that conversation. It was great. You remember that one, Steve? Mm, yes, I do. All right. That's great. But words. Oh, right. Which uh, individual, audience member, which word did you like?
0: I liked what Caroline said. My least favorite word is rural, rural uh, which yeah. reminds me of an episode of 30 Rock where a character had been in a film called The Rural Juror, which is just fun. <laughs> it's just a fun like word comedy. I really like The Rural Juror. But she said, it, it. I don't like it because it's just hard with the double R's there. It's difficult to say uh, together. She said, my favorite word is morning. Because I love mornings, not like morning, like weeping, but like in the, in the morning, Aww. first part of the day, it makes me think of coffee, a fresh start and seeing people I love for the first time in a day. Aww,
1: and I am darling. not
0: really a morning person, but that gave me a really good perspective on mornings. So thank you, Caroline.
1: I love that. I appreciated what Esther had to say because it made me laugh. She said, my favorite word is floofy, which I'm not exactly sure if it's a real word or not. Even that alone, you had me at not sure if it's a real word or not, because I love that. It is now. It is now. (laughs) But when I get to pet dogs and they're super fluffy, it's not enough to say fluffy. One must emphasize the word to describe it correctly. Floofy. And we have a floofy dog. She is a St. Bernard poodle, and I am going to call her floofy now. Okay, we do need a sidebar, though, because since Matt and I were first married... We have had arguments about definitions of words and how you say words in the Mm. amount of times that we pull up dictionary.com and try and have to listen because I'll be like, no, you say it this way. No, you say it that way, including this morning because we were talking about recording this episode. And I said, I think my favorite word, because I said last time my least favorite is exercise because I don't know how to spell it. My favorite word is, uh, wait, now I can remember
2: Indefatigable. Wait,
1: I said indefatigable. Oh, yeah. Because I love that it is, you hear exactly its definition in the word. You're without, unable to be fatigued, indefatigable. And then Krieg over here (laughs) pulls up dictionary.com and he's like, it's indefatigable. Can you say it?
2: Indefatigable, (sighs) yeah.
1: (laughs) <laughs> okay, but just so we feel even here, I need to bring this up. Is we both read, oh boy, forgive us. I'm going to say the words Harry Potter. Please don't turn it off. We have read Harry Potter. I won't go on, but there's a character in there named G I N N Y. Steve, how do you s- say that? Ginny. Krieg over here. How old were you, Matt?
0: <laughs> um, old enough. <laughs>
2: In my twenties.
1: Upper twenties. Not he, upper twenties. I don't whatever. And at least twenty five.
2: I I really thought it was guinea.
1: Guinea. Like guinea. the
2: type of fowl or uh-huh. the the pig. The the guinea pig, <laughs> yes. Rice. Yes. All of all good things. Um, it is
1: not guinea.
0: It is not guinea. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna I, now refer I you I to the also, country. Papa New Jenny.
1: <laughs> it's I, do you think it's that Matt?
0: Uh no,
2: it oh. is Guinea. Okay, okay. Um, but I also and here's the confession. Beyond that, people whose names were Gemma, G E M M A, yes. I always thought was Gemma. Okay.
1: That one is a little bit better than Yeah, Jenny. so it was, it was at least
2: consistent.
1: At least Right, right, right. Oh, man. Okay. Mm. Thanks for laughing with us and for sharing your favorite and least favorite words. We appreciate you guys and your jokes. Okay, <laughs> let's shift into the heart of the matter. And uh, we're going to define some terms. Steve, this was actually your, this episode was your baby. So tell oh, us, wow. why did you want to birth this child? Okay.
0: Uh, well, because I think over the course of, you know, over 190 episodes uh, you know we've covered a lot of ground talked about a lot of you know uh, things that are kind of out in the culture and are looked at a certain way there and looked at a different way in the church and uh, just having kind of being on the same page what we mean when we say certain things and I get asked you know very granular like well what does why say that word you know mm-hmm. and I thought that would be good to address but but also, kind of zoom out a little bit yeah. and talk about all right. Well, what really is the purpose of life, and mm-hmm. and how are we missing that when mm-hmm. we get granular with, I guess you know, arguing or debating over certain terms?
1: So you're what I'm hearing you say. Did I use a good therapy restating start? Okay, okay. good
0: start. Yeah. Good start. A solid start.
1: Thanks, Craig. I've been calling you Craig a lot. Mm-hmm. I think I like it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so I hear you saying, really, this episode is defining some of the minutiae, but it's also we're get, kind of getting the philosophy of what mm. we believe here at the mm-hmm. Whole in My Heart podcast, just because it can be confusing. And it's it's hard to listen and trust people if you're like, oh, I don't know if you're going to lead me astray. And so yeah. we want to be really clear and, and hopefully... As biblical and gospel-centered as we know how. Is that accurate? Yes, yes. Okay. All right. So, Steve, why don't you pitch us? Where, where should we start?
0: Well, what's the purpose of life? I I loved how you talked about that, you guys, in your book. Yeah. Um, because I think um, it, it plays out in our relationships. Yeah. And, uh, and so if, if we are kind of like... Remains centered on the real true purpose of life, then that helps in those um, everyday kind of working out of it.
1: Right. So this has become, as I've been speaking and Matt's been speaking around for the last eight-ish years on the subjects of sexuality, especially LGBTQ, I'm realizing how important it is to talk about why are we even here before we talk about sex and marriage and blah, blah, blah. Mm And so usually when I ask the audience, they'll say, uh, it depends on the age. Often it's like, well, just, you know, have a good life, love Jesus, love people, be an image bearers, or if they're you know, more reformed or something. They'll quote parts of the Westminster Catechism to give love God and give him glory and enjoy him forever, something like that, Mm -hmm. which is great. And it's good to know those things, to have those answers. But I like to simplify because we live out of what our heart and our mind believes. So the best way I can simplify it is what I tell my six-year-old when she asks, why do I have to go to school? (laughs) And I want to say, because I'm a tired parent, so you can get a good job and get out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I do. I'm a sinner too. Um, it's something that's real. Isn't that relatable, Matt?
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that I'm thinking that they can get a good job and get out quite yet, oh. but one day.
1: All right. Well, I'm a little bit more sinful than Matt. So <laughs> anyway, what I said when I swallowed that retort is I said, Juliet or Juju or six-year-old, I said, Juliet, God gave you with a good, a good purpose. And his desire for you is to work with him to push back the darkness and bring in the light. Because we've talked with him from the beginning, this for, for a long time now, that the world was good and then there came evil and we work with each other with fellow Christians empowered by the Spirit. Now, I didn't say all of these words to a six-year-old, but I did say your job is to push back the darkness and usher in the light. Another like theological term for that is to um, advance the kingdom of God. Another way, thing that we could say, um, because, okay, so let me just restate and say it a little bit more higher theology for those of you who are listening and are not six. <laughs> the world was good. Satan and we chose sin, and that invited evil in the world. But the whole Bible and the whole gospel is about God's redemption plan. And we don't just sit back and hang out until Jesus comes back and makes it new. We partner with the Holy Spirit and with the church to advance the kingdom of God and so that they can be included in this thing called being a part of the family of God. Another way of saying it is our job is to be one with God, one with the church, and invite others into this oneness. One with God, one with the Church. Invite others in. What do you guys think about that?
0: Well, I think that's I think that's key, especially when we that now you know look at how that plays out in relationships. Huge. Um, it starts with you know where we're at with God, and then yep. moves to the horizontal. I guess that would lead me to ask. So, what does that look like in uh, marriage? You know, or singleness, yeah. or you know, like in in taking that that design, that oneness idea into our relationships.
1: So the reason, thank you, I'm gonna get there in one second. The reason that it's so important to start with what is the purpose of life is because I've been asked since day one of really trying to engage in apologetic for God's design for marriage. The pushback I'll get is, okay, well, if God's design for marriage is between a man and a woman, how do you solve the loneliness problem for people who are attracted to the same sex? And if we are saying the purpose of our life is to find our person, to find Mm -hmm. God's opposite-sex person for us and make Christian babies and tithe and die, A, that's a boring life. B, that's not God's design for life. C, how are you going to answer the loneliness problem? And the way that we answer that is, well... You are going to be unified with God, with each other, and invite others into this oneness. That's the goal. And then we ask the question, well, what's the mode God wants you to do that mission to make disciples? It's married or single. Them's the options. And God's design for marriage is between, this is what we believe, we're talking philosophy of what we believe here, is between a man and a woman in a one flesh covenant union for life. Mm -hmm. Now, why we believe that? is because marriage is not about you. (laughs) It includes you. You can be sanctified through it and you can be blessed through it. Same with singleness, we'll get there in a second. Marriage is a gospel picture because, Ephesians 5.32, in this, guys, this verse, well, these verses 31 and 32, I'd read them a bajillion times, but really these verses, this theology of marriage saved our marriage. It really gave us the energy to stay in our marriage. You can read about that in an impossible marriage. But it says, uh, for this reason, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. That's the Bible's terminology for, and then they got married. (laughs) They don't ever say, and then they got married. It's the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it's an an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. I don't know what, it was the Holy Spirit. That when I was wrestling with staying in my marriage, I could argue against God's design for marriage, but I couldn't argue for God's design for marriage until I read this and the Holy Spirit really illuminated it to me, Mm. is marriage has to be different between a man and a woman because God is so different from us.
0: So the differentness of our gender. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Is critical. So how different is God from people? (laughs)
2: Quite ontologically different. Yes.
1: (laughs) And then what's the verse I always quote when I say this?
2: Oh, man. It's Ephesians 1.
1: He's far above.
2: Every ruler and principality. power and authority.
1: Not only in this life, but the life to come. Matt's heard this shtick quite a few times. So God is far above every ruler and power and authority, and yet we are made out of dust. And yet the entire Bible could be summed up in four words. God will marry us. Mm. He wants to be one with us. So he didn't just be like, oh, that seems good for people to get married. Look at all. They have sexual organs. Oh, my goodness. They have sexual organs. They're going to do things with them. Uh, (laughs) We better put this thing on lock. (laughs) Right? No, no, no. He created it. It was his idea. It was his idea. And not because God's, I don't know, like a sex addict or something weird. He said, I want to have pictures of my love and pursuit of people all over, that when men and women, as different as they are from each other, which what are, what are my jokes there, Matt? <laughs> all men are they like lows, football, they all, football, <laughs> and, and, and scratching, scratching, and, and burping, right? And yes. All men, <laughs> and all women like Stanley Cups and yoga pants, and you know we're so different. Did than you than women be Stanley Cups? Okay, Matt, do you even know what a Stanley Cup is? Yeah, from the NHL, the, hockey. Go, the no. hockey trophy,
2: the greatest trophy in sports.
1: There's I'm saying it right, right? There's these huge cups that women are carrying around that are like sixty bucks that they fill with water, and it's like Mom and 20-something Oh, it's like
2: a Nalgene bottle type of thing. Yeah, Nalgene was of
1: the 90s. (laughs) Yetis are of the earth thousands. Oh, my word. You guys, we are aging ourselves. No, it's like, I got to have my Stanley Cup, and it is not hockey. Oh, my goodness. I got all
2: excited when you start talking Stanley Cup. I'm like, what? (laughs) What is happening?
1: We digress. Okay, so men and women are very different. Clearly, I'm like, no, Matt, not hockey.
2: Because
1: only men like hockey.
2: But hockey, though.
1: Okay. But when we... (laughs) We're losing it. When we die to self, if God has called us to marriage, to be one with our opposite-sex spouse, we are showing the world, our kids, our neighbors, people in the grocery store, how Jesus died to be one with us. Marriage is a gospel picture. But so is singleness. For our single friends who are listening, you show us a picture of eternity. Nobody is going to be married in heaven except for all of us to Jesus, which I don't even know how to say that, but whatever. Hmm. I don't even know what that's gonna look like. But there's gonna be no marriage except that the marriage to the Lamb. And so when you, dear single friends, are so unified with your brothers and sisters uh, on here on earth, and, and brothers and sisters, these are not, you know, sexual partners, these are brothers and sisters, and you are so unified with God that when I meet with some of my single friends who are um, really living this out well, I I can almost see God, Jesus with them when they Mm -hmm. talk to me. So you show us a picture of the gospel of dying to your sexual desires, because I'm assuming you have those too, um, to show us a picture of what heaven looks like. And then though, what about sex? What's the purpose of sex? So we believe it's reserved for marriage and we believe if we're following okay here's the purpose of your life to be one with god one with the church invite others into this oneness and if god calls you to marriage our dear friend kat she'll be like you ain't owed that you ain't owed that (laughs) or you don't deserve that i don't know some people might be like ah it's terrible but um you're not owed that um but if god calls you to marriage Then ideally, he has called you to have this sexual relationship, but not because that's what you have to do, because you just have to. You're telling the other person, and you're also being told through that other person in this holistic union. It's not just a bodily thing. If it's a bodily thing, you're doing it wrong. That this is how much God loves you. I don't know how we can film that, guys. Like how I I get so confused, and every time I talk about God's design for sex and how it wants to show us a picture of how much He loves us, I get so grieved about porn. I get so grieved about how we take it out of its covenant Mm -hmm. context because it's it's sacred. Not like we've used those words. I grew up hearing that in purity Mm -hmm. culture, but it's sacred because God wants to tell us something through it. And when single people are not engaging in sexual relations, wow, I'm 100, are not engaging in that, um, in physical intimacy with someone of the opposite or same sex. When you feel those sexual urges, dear, dear single friends, A, you are not going to die from a lack of sex. Never heard of that happening. B, when you go to the Lord and you fast from that desire and you do not satiate that in ways that are not in God's design, you are telling the Lord, this much, oh God, I long for you. Matt, you can talk more about that. Would you mm-hmm. mind?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, this is something that within our marriage, there was there was a season where I was actively fasting from sex because of some of the trauma that had come up from, that kind of resurfaced in your mind that made yep. approaching, you know, any type of physical intimacy, like it, it was just unapproachable. Um. And I started in this time of like really praying for you, but God was like, hey, you need to shift and pray for yourself and really start to, to look at this idol of sex in your life. Um, that even within our marriage, I looked at it as something that was the ultimate and, and the connector. And I remember our pastor at the time, Dave Bielen, um, had given a sermon on fasting, which is that like refraining from the consumption of food and even using the body's natural response to that lack of food, stomach growling and everything as a, as a signal to turn your mind to God and to say, yes, God, as much as I want food, I want you more, you know? And, and so for me to the, the idea of fasting from sex was not just like, I'm going to pretend it's not there. I'm not going to think about it. It was that in those moments where I was, longing even like physically like dealing with some of those longings like to think like okay this is my body that is even able to remind me here of my need for God more so than my desire to have sexual union with my wife Um, and it was it was a big shift Mm -hmm. Um, and it it changed the way that I approached it Um, and it really started a journey of understanding the way that I had idolized sex as a comfort, as a as a, a stabilizing force that was purely just for my own self rather than, as Laurie has described it, as a way that I am supposed to love her and show her the love of God through that interaction.
1: Thanks for sharing that, Matt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to pivot a bit to something we talk about a lot. Um, we reference the heart map. Matt, I know you use this when you are counseling people. I use this when I coach people, and we're going to talk about it here. And we really, in the last episode, we really unpacked our stories using that. But for those of you who are watching, listening right now, um, we... If you want to see a picture of the heart map and if you want to uh, get a list of those core needs, those are going to be in the show notes today. But let me just explain real quick what they are, just so you can kind of understand our philosophy of how we view sin. And then we're going to talk a little bit more about that. So we believe that we were all created with, we're, we're created good. And yet, you know, David says that even in the womb, I'm conceived in sin. Which parts are good? Which parts are sin? We get to ask the Lord that someday, but we do believe that we were created good and needy. Hmm. And those needs inside of us are not sinful in and of themselves. But we have these good needs inside of us for things like affirmation, to be delighted in, to be chosen, included, safe, rested. Those are good needs. And so often in life, we can either be a stoic to our needs. We either shove those needs down, oh, I don't have those desires, uh, to be chosen, Or safe. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm a good Christian person. Or we can be an addict and we can try and get, I wanna be seen and known and loved and like Mm -hmm. suck the emotional and physical oxygen out of the world. Uh, That's known as idolatry. So we can either be stoic or idolatrous um, or an addict. Or we can live in that tension, which is what we are really going to try and emphasize here on the podcast is how can we look through creation, not to creation, to our creator who meets those needs and people reflect him. And so that those needs, we call them core needs. Again, you have, we have a list of them um, on the show notes. But we believe that we have those good needs. And then we have, because of the fall, born into us, natural defaults, predispositions, or orientations, if you will, to get those good needs of our heart met in ways that don't actually satisfy and don't glorify God. We are all born that way. And so I mentioned this last episode, if you want to hear my story further, Matt's or Steve's, we are all sinners here, equal opportunity sinners. (laughs) And so I have church acceptable ones, air quotes, performance, people pleasing. And then for me, I believe Perhaps I was born with because of the fall these desires uh toward temptation to get those good needs met in relationships with women in sexual relationships or at least idolatrous relationships. Um so that's a big premise. So if you hear us talk about needs, if you hear us talk about core needs, if you're curious how we interplay that with sin, um that's how we do it. Anything to add guys?
0: Yeah, so the d- defining the the w- the term you're defining here is sin. Yeah. Um, and then the also, well, I guess dignity and depravity. Mm, can you, you know, unpack we're, that well, a little bit more. Well, we're created in God's image. Yeah. We're created and He put these uh, needs in us, these cravings, yeah, to uh, hopefully, you know, draw us to Him. Right. But we go to, like you said, created things yep. instead with those needs. And so, um, there is the you know dignity of being made in his image and the depravity that we have this sin nature since the fall yeah so um
1: yeah that talk a
0: little about about the difference between temptation and sin because i think a lot of times we feel guilty or shame over temptation and at what point does that become something that we actually should feel guilt in our conscience over
1: yeah, Matt. I'm going to toss that to you.
2: Yeah, well, this this is something that I often will go to to James chapter one, um, where it talks about, hey, when we're tempted, don't let us say God is tempting us. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, it's our own evil desires, um, which is the word epithumia, um, which can actually mean like idolatrous desire, passionate desire, overt desire. It's really the thing in of itself is not evil. Um, it's just misordered. Okay. Um, and so you've got this desire that has been misordered that leads to temptation. And then in that temptation gives birth to sin. Um, Sin is the action of, of moving towards something. So if you think about this evil desire as kind of an octopus that has like squirted an ink cloud, it's like, (laughs) I know there's an octopus there, Mm -hmm but I can't really see it. I can't really understand it that well. Um, temptation is like, if you see a tentacle come out of that ink cloud and start reaching toward a rock, it's like you can, that's, that's temptation. It's like you can follow that temptation and it's grabbing towards something. It's grabbing the rock, Mm -hmm. which would be sin. Um, but temptation is not sin. It's something that we're drawn to, but we're not yet acting with. Um, so, example. Um, if you think about, you brought up porn, Lori. Mm. Um, porn is is obviously sinful. The the act of of lust and and the you know that interaction of looking at pornography is something that would be sinful.
1: Wait, for those of you who are listening and you're like, that's not obviously sinful. Cause there are people who believe that we're pointing to uh, Matthew five. When we say it's, it's obvious mm-hmm. to us because uh, Jesus says, uh, if, you even, if look you even look at lustful. a woman with lust in your heart or that consumptive desire, mm-hmm. and that's not just strictly women or men or what, really whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, that, is the same as adultery. That's what we believe, speaking mm-hmm. of philosophy. So to us, it mm-hmm. is obviously sin.
2: So yes, thank you for that clarification. But to to have someone come in and, and it's not like you just wake up one day and you're like, I know, I'm gonna <laughs> go look at pornography. That'll make my life better and that'll be really good for my marriage. Like,
1: <laughs> or,
0: singleness. Or, or
2: singleness or anything, but like yeah. people don't wake up and just all of a sudden think that, mm. you know, there's usually this kind of down, downward sloping trajectory. It's like I step closer and closer and closer to it. And when I came out of my pornography addiction and, and really had to put screens aside in general, like I had to get rid of phone, tablet, everything, um, there was a lot of other stuff that was along with that. Mm. you know? And so pornography would be the, the overt sinful engagement that I had, but I also watched 30 hours a week of sporting events. Now, is that sinful? No, but it does show and it highlights my temptation to escape. Mm. Um, and, and that escape, leading to comfort and and there's kind of this downward path of like, okay, if I'm watching football and instead of actually watching the game, I'm scanning the sideline for cheerleader. Okay. I'm already actually like lusting in my yeah. heart. Like I've actually crossed the line even there, mm. but it's less overt, but there's right. nothing sinful about watching football. The temptation to escape, to seek comfort is still there though, mm. you know? And so uh, you can, you can kind of, back it up so temptation is not a sinful act but it's like one step away Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i don't know if that clarifies things or if it just muddies the water
1: it did i did get lost in the octopus metaphor but (laughs) maybe steve got it i
0: think i did i think i did
1: i liked your clarification after that and and I was just thinking I was like, wait, is watching football a sin? And for me I'm like, I think it is because you're <laughs> neglecting your family, which that that's a nuance that you could walk down there. It's not always indefinitely in and of itself definitely mm-hmm. sin, but anyway. We don't need You to
0: can get into that. be tempted and not sin, but you probably can't sin without being tempted.
1: Oh, that's true. Yes, right. Well, uh, because I, I mean,
0: scripture says that God will provide a way out Mm -hmm. of temptation. It's a matter of, uh, am I going to take that way out, or am I going to ignore that and keep moving Mm -hmm. towards sin? So,
1: I love that. I love those verses Mm -hmm. where he talks about he will always provide a way out. So on this show, we'll probably often talk about LGBTQ... IA people or queer people or people who are same-sex attracted, etc Now, even my saying those words, I understand that people may be like, <gasps> why are you saying that? Why aren't you only saying same-sex attracted? Why would you even be saying those words, etc.? Or some of you are on the other side, you're like, why are you saying same-sex attracted? For those of you who are like, why is there a debate here? Um, There's a debate here in what terminology should we use for people who identify as not straight. Now, we're gonna be using the words probably LGBT or LGBTQIA, which those stand for, just in case you're curious, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex or asexual, and there's a lot more letters. Um, Or we'll say same-sex attracted, or you may hear us say trans, why though are we using all the words? Why are we using all the letters? Isn't us is that just being PC and we're a bunch of raging liberals? Here's how we view it. Our job as believers is to a, practice hospitality. And in order to practice hospitality, I need to be able to be hospitable and to use the language that a friend I'm meeting is using about themselves. That's going to give me the relational equity, to talk, I mean, as a friend, basic, and, and hopefully heart-to-heart to like really get to know each other. Um, and I'm not assuming everyone who identifies as LGBTQ is definitely not following Jesus. I'm just saying, let's practice hospitality. Uh, this is maybe a bigger reason why we use this terminology, is I believe LGBTQ world is its own culture. The culture within a culture, and we've got culture everywhere. You've got culture here at WCSG. We have evangelical culture. We have Michigan, West Michigan, Grand Rapids culture. Just everywhere, you guys. We're all—it's the thing that we're swimming in, and there's then artifacts within this thing we're swimming in. Like WCSG, you've got your logos, you've got your language, you've got your cameras. Like culture, in and of itself, isn't bad, but we need to learn how to engage culture so that we can talk heart to heart. So if LGBTQ culture is a culture, sorry, I keep saying that word, um, and we want to be effective friends, missionaries, again, I don't believe every LGBTQ person is not following Jesus. I'm just saying if we want to be effective in 2023 and beyond in order to be an effective witness for Jesus Christ so that together we can advance the kingdom of God or push back the darkness and usher in the light. I need to be humble and be able to learn the cultural practices and pick up and reject pieces that are in and of themselves evil, but not everything in LGBTQ world is evil. If I was, I am a part of that culture and community. I could identify, and I do sometimes, depending on my context, uh, similar to Paul, Uh, I'm not on the same level as Paul, but um, where he says, I try to be all things to all people. Mm -hmm. So when I'm in more conservative context and I'm talking about my story, I'm going to use the phrase, I experience same-sex attractions so that I can be able to kind of get in with that crowd and I'm I'm not going to die on that hill. But if I'm in more LGBTQ, where people are saying this is how we identify, I'm going to use that language in order to um, be heard. Matt, you have a thought? Yeah. Well, and
2: I'm going to say, like, as you're doing that, it's not just so you can be "quote unquote" in with that crowd. I think it's removing barriers from them to understand you. Yeah. You know, if if you go into a hyper conservative situation and you say I am gay. Right, they might be picturing the the most extreme, um, you know, like whatever stereotype that they have that that might actually be very inaccurate to right. to the way that you actually live your life, and then vice versa. If you mm-hmm. go into a more a more liberal community or within the LGBTQ community, and you say I'm same-sex attracted that can be a trigger for them to think like, oh, this is an ex-gay narrative that I need to be straight in order to be saved. And, and that's not what you mean. And therefore changing the words that you use based on the context allows you to be more understood. So it's not just about being like liked by this crowd or in with this crowd. It's, yeah. it's how do you promote a true understanding of, of where you're coming from, what your experiences, and then what your goals are.
1: Thank you, Matt. That was really dignifying to me too, because I can forget about myself. So thank you for sharing that. I have a quote um, here. I'm giving a talk tonight actually on this Cultural aspect of LGBTQ, so maybe we can stop fighting about words. Um, but this is from Rick Richardson. He was one of my profs at Wheaton this a couple like a year ago, and it's out of the book "You Found Me: New Research on How Unchurched Nuns, Millennials, and Irreligious Are Surprisingly Open to Christian Faith." And he says this: Churches need a bridge between the congregation and community. A person who simultaneously belongs to the church and belongs to the community. More than just emphasizing broad relationship-building, conversion communities rely on leaders who can straddle the in-between church and community. Even as they are committed members of the congregation, they are also well-respected members of the community and neighborhood. Am I well-respected in LGBTQ world? Not for those who are not following Jesus. And I'm sure there's some who are and who would be like... Not Lori, but this is a hot topic that I am, I'm straddling several different hemispheres. Bottom line, when we're, you're hearing this language, Paul talks about, I'm telling you, church, to stop fighting about words. This is not a hill. We on the Hole in My Heart podcast are going to die on when it comes to using language. When we use language that the audience can more willingly hear, we're going to use that. We don't believe that that's a gospel issue. The ba- the hill we are going to die on that I actually believe is a gospel issue is God's design for marriage. I will fight that battle. I'm not going to try and go fight on purpose, but that's one that I think Christians would be um, wise to care more about than the hospitality layer and mm. uh, missional layer of using language that can be heard. Steve, as someone who's not us, how is this, how is this landing with you?
0: Well, I think... I would imagine maybe somebody listening or watching, uh, may want to talk about the word identity. Yeah. Cause identity is important. It's significant. And it's, yep. it's, it's a big word right now in culture and how do you identify? And, um, and I think <clears throat> again, like you're saying at this level, um, what's this, what are you talking about? Uh, you know, gay or straight.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, at the sexual identity level. Right. Uh huh.
0: Um, like we need to zoom out. Mm-hmm. And again get to made in God's image, dignity, mm-hmm. sinful depravity, like mm-hmm. that's our identity. Like mm-hmm. we've already covered that. Yeah. Um and so what we're covering now is more about like you're saying, how how you know, how we approach the mission mm-hmm. and how how we approach community and hospitality.
1: That's really good. I really appreciate that, Steve. So so to maybe clarify on that, yeah. my primary identity, Matt's primary identity, Steve, everyone listening, if you are submitted to Christ, we believe that our primary identity is Imago Dei, is made in the image of God. And if you are following Jesus, then it's 1 Corinthians one thirty, and there's other spots, but that we are in Christ. We are new creations. Our old self is gone. Our new is here. So that's our primary identity. We do also believe, again, to be clear, that there are two genders. There's male and female. There's two, uh, like, that's how people are born. Now, are there people who are born intersex? Yeah, there's some where their genitalia is ambiguous and they're chromosomally ambiguous and doctors do pick. It's a very, very, very small percent of the population, but that is, and I would say, a a product of the fall that's not God's ideal, but I'm also covered in the fall as well. So that's not a only only uh, intersex people. Now there's people who wrestle. Now what it means to embody male and female, like wh- what's the ideal female and ideal male? If you guys want to just tell, if you're that person, go ahead and tell us, Barbie and. <laughs> John Wayne, I don't know. That's not what we believe. We believe that there's expression within that. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there's more identities. There's marital identity. There's ethnicity, race, uh, this sexual identity. We do believe God's ideal is heterosexuals to be attracted to. But when I say heterosexual, I was thinking about this actually in the middle of the night. I was like, are we going to talk about this on the podcast? It's not enough for you dudes to just be attracted to women. The ideal for you is to not be attracted to anyone outside of your spouse ever, right? Right. Y'all are busted too. (laughs) It ain't just me. (laughs) So we have that sexual identity. We have familial identity, mom, dad, vocational identity, teacher, coach, doctor. And then there's more Republican, Democrat, dog mom, Star Wars nerd. Is that one of your primary identities, Matt?
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: But here's the point I will make. We need to submit all of these identities to Christ, whether that's our sexual identity, heterosexual, not straight, LGBTQ, being a mom, being a white evangelical in America, being an American. Am I submitting all of my identities to Christ and letting him sift out the garbage because there's garbage in all of it?
0: Mm -hmm. I think that word submit, Yep. I think it's it. that's key, it's primary um, because we do. We think of ourselves as this is how I want to define myself. Well, like, have you brought that to the Lord? Have you submitted that to him?
1: Daily. You know? Right. Okay. We have a lot more that we want to define, but let's just pick one more. Steve, I'll let you oh. pull out of the hat.
0: Okay. Ooh, this is tough uh, because I do think it's helpful. It was helpful for me okay. to learn about, um, I guess, for lack of a better word, the debate or the difference between side A and side B. Yeah. But I also am real interested in the um, the shame stuff.
1: The shame stuff.
0: Um, But we could maybe reference... Another episode another on Another episode shame. on I, shame, yeah.
1: Let's try and see if we can handle both in a few minutes here. Okay. Okay. So side A and side B. So if someone comes to you, dear listeners, audience, um, and says, I am gay. What do you think? You could think a lot of different things. Mm. You could think, oh, I'm gay and I'm have a billion partners and I'm, I don't know, doing drugs, whatever is in your head. I want you to pause there because all that you know about them is that they're attracted to the same sex. You don't know how they're, what they're doing with that. Now, again, this can go back to our language debate as to what you can call them. I just, I'm going to offer, let's not fight there. Um, but here's what I would I would encourage you to say if someone comes out to you and shares that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, can you help me understand more about what you mean when you say that? And it doesn't have to be gay. It can obviously be any of the things. Can you help me understand what you mean by that? If you ask that humbly and genuinely curious they're, they're going to answer. And it's not an offensive term. So then you're going to hear, well, you could hear someone like me. Well, when I say I'm gay, it means I'm, uh, I, if I struggle with lust, I'm, uh, it's going to be toward women, but I am surrendering that part of myself to Jesus. And God has called me to be in a marriage to not all men, but just Matt. Praise God. I love this guy. (laughs) But do you hear how we cannot assume their theological beliefs just by what they're saying about their sexual attractions? So, again, let's get some practical stuff. Thank you so much for sharing that. What do you mean by that? Then if they didn't tell you, like, I just freely told you what I'm, I'm doing with that piece of myself, you can ask, again, this is not invasive, if you're asking with genuine curiosity and humility. What do you, how, can I please ask, you know, if you're in a church, how, and feel free not to answer that, I always say this, Mm. but how does your um, sexuality interact with your faith if you have it, if you are a faith person? Oh, thank you for asking. Again, they're going to be perceiving (laughs) your heart. Mm. And so if you ask that, you're going to hear something, oh, well, I believe that God is fine with um, same-sex marriages and relationships, so I'm actually in a relationship with my partner. Thank you for sharing that. Or actually I'm surrendering that part of myself to Christ. Now, side A and side B, this is where I'm going to explain it. Side A or the affirming side holds to the belief that God allows or affirms same-sex relationships, monogamous. This is they're not like very few people are going to be like definitely be promiscuous. But they're going to be pro um God's design for marriage includes same-sex marriages. Side B, another phrase for that is non-affirming or holds to the historically biblical view or traditional view. Now, why I have to have all those caveats is side A, people believe they're holding to the biblical view too. Mm. So I've had people say to me, oh, well, we'll just hold to the biblical view, and then they just yell it louder. I hear you. I believe it's the biblical view, but I'm going to practice hospitality and even the language I use in explaining what I believe. So it's super clear. Does that make sense? Yeah. So side B, historically biblical, traditional, uh, they believe um, God does not allow or affirm same-sex, monogamous, sexual, intimate relationships or marriages. So I want to talk about shame, but I think I'm just going to reference, and we've actually referenced already this season, but I'm going to do it again, the three types of shame and why they matter. That was, I don't know, it's probably 30 or so episodes ago, but if you Google that, you should be able to find it. You might have to add my name in to find it, but we really unpack our philosophy of shame, guilt, temptation, and how what confession looks like. We may end up doing another episode on it because it is really vital.
2: Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. really
1: vital. Okay. You guys, thank you for going through the dictionary of the Hole in My Heart podcast with us today, taking our philosophy course. If you guys have questions or clarifications, you are welcome uh, to go to lorikrieg.com. You can go to um, the contact form there. I can't promise I am going to do an email debate with you. Actually, I can promise you I won't, (laughs) but if you want to share what you have... um, I, perhaps I can uh, answer some things, or I'll have Steve fight with you. Just kidding. I'll have Steve <laughs> respond. But I, I we're open to um, dialogue. Um, but I hope that really what we can take away from today, if there's some things that were triggering or frustrating, that I hope that what you all, what we all can take away from today is where are the things we're willing to are our own no nos. This is where we're we're not contorting our theology here. Mm. And where are we willing to practice hospitality? Okay, guys, go to the show notes if you want to um, find things like our book, as well as links to those episodes from the past that we talked about. Mm-hmm.
2: All right, guys. And we do have a question of the week for next week talking about this this whole conversation of mm-hmm. identity. Mm-hmm. What would you say in your about me section after, after I am a child of God. Yeah, we know, we know you're going to say would,
0: that.
2: Yeah, after a child of God, what would you say in that about me section? Or if you were brave enough to say it, what is something that you would say about yourself? So yeah. I am very funny. I am.
1: What would you say?
2: The stinky cheese man. I don't know. What
1: would, you, <laughs> would you say I'm like. Argyle expert. I,
2: I wouldn't no. say that because I got called called to task on oh, it by right. Dan Allender. Dan, Dan Allender, yeah. Um, boy, I don't.
1: Dog I, mom, I, I dog would, dad.
2: Usually, I would say I'm a left-handed nerd. Mm. That is true. N- nerd of the most nerdy variety.
1: But are you submitting that to Christ, Matt? <laughs> what about your left-handedness? No, okay. I'm sorry. I am ashamed. <laughs> It's fun. when you start applying it across the board, it like messes with you. You're like, there's so many things. Yeah. that Like we're like, whatever. Sure, you're a dog mom and a honor roll parent. Anyway, Steve, <laughs> what would you say?
0: Um, right-handed nerd, which isn't quite as nerdy as a no. left-handed nerd. Uh, no, I, I, honestly, it's not very funny. But like, I probably would say, uh, I, I have grandkids, and I've got four sons.
1: Yeah. That's cute. Yeah. I mean, it's like makes you a friendly sounding guy. Does it? Okay. Yeah, it's friendly. That's what I'm going for. Uh, I'd probably say something about the kids too. No, I would say I have Alice in Wonderland syndrome. And if I'm stressed or tired, everything gets tiny. Just kidding. I wouldn't say that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you just did. <laughs>
1: it's just so such a dumb boring random thing that i just think that'd be funny okay we want to hear you guys your better ideas than ours mm-hmm. um and hey just an fyi if you want to watch this episode because you're listening visit us on youtube just search hold my heart podcast and if you're watching this and want to listen Search it on all the Spotify's and things. You guys know what to do. <laughs> and thank you, of course, to our hosts, WCSG, where if you go to WCSG.org, you guys can find a bunch of other cool stuff, including they can listen to the to the radio yeah. all day, every day, right?
0: <laughs> sure. All they can day, hear you every day, in
1: Eastern time zone. How kind of can they hear you? <gasps> I'm oh, I'm going to tell boy. the people. Yeah.
0: Okay. So uh, we're on from three to seven Eastern. Eastern. Afternoons. You can hear
1: Steve and his sister, That's right, Steve and Kathy. Steve and Kathy. Do you have a song? (laughs) Yeah. Is that the song?
0: I think so. I don't know.
1: (gasps) (laughs) Okay, we'll play that another time. Ooh, we should ask a question of the week about what would be your jingle, Mm, maybe. And, though, (laughs) we cannot do this show without... Video guy, Zach. Video guy, Zach. Thank you so much yep. for being video guy. <laughs> and that's a wrap. So for all of us here at the Whole in My Heart podcast, we'll see you in a couple weeks.